Good evening. If you have your Bible with you, would you take it out, please, and turn to Revelation chapter 3, the third chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3. If you'll turn there, we're going to read verses 7 and 8 together. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Glad you're here. Uh, Glad for those who are visiting with us tonight. And it's my hope and prayer that God is pleased with the things that we do and that you are encouraged and built up to grow closer to Him by these things as well. Let's read together Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. This is uh, the letters that are written to the seven churches in Asia. And in verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. That's Christ and his authority. And so Christ says to the church in Philadelphia, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. And he goes on to talk about some of the struggles and issues that they were having with persecution and so forth. But this passage tells us that Christ has the power to open and close doors. Uh, Door, generally, just indicates an opportunity, uh, an opening through which a goal can be achieved. In the Old Testament, that metaphor of a door was used several different ways. There is the sin lies at the door. Remember that one? There is the door of hope. And we might make application ourselves to all sorts of doors. Uh, Opportunities to help others might be a door. Opportunities to learn from others might be a door. But in the New Testament, that image is used in three basic ways. There are three basic doors that are discussed. There is the door of salvation that we're called to walk through. There is the door of judgment that is going to be opened and closed for all of us. And then there is the door of evangelism. And it is that third door that I'd like for us to think about just for a little while this evening. And so I've entitled the lesson that God would open to us a door. And we're going to get to the scripture that actually says those exact words, but that's what we're looking for, this kind of opportunity to proclaim the gospel to others. There are a couple of times the Apostle Paul uses that exact terminology in regard to an open door for evangelism, for proclaiming the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, for example, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door, for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Yeah, there are some that are against us. There are some who don't want us to take advantage of these opportunities. But Paul says, I've got to stay because this is just too good of an opportunity. It's not just a door, it's a wide door. This is a loading dock opportunity, and I want to make sure that I make the most of it. Uh, similarly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. So it's not just that a door is open, you know, just randomly. I, I've got a door of opportunity here. The scriptures are very clear when it comes to these kinds of opportunities for evangelism. It is the Lord who is opening that door. I had a discussion with uh, uh, one of you. Uh, won't even say if it was a man or a woman, but in the uh, foyer uh, after church this morning, that idea that we both believe that God providentially works to give us opportunities to proclaim the gospel. 
And God providentially works to give the lost opportunities to hear the gospel. Those are those doors of opportunity that the Lord opens. That's a blessing, isn't it? When there are people with good and honest hearts who are willing to hear the word of God, who are eager to know the truth from God. You know, I know that we have a lot of disinterested people in this world when it comes to spiritual things. People who don't care very much at all about the gospel message. But I want us to be reminded, at the same time, there are those who are looking. There are those who are searching. And the tough part is, for us, you know what, just by looking at them, we can't tell the difference, can we? We can't tell the difference between those who are really searching and those who don't really care. So how do we unite good and honest hearts, those who are searching, with the way of truth that is found in God's Word? Well, it's these open doors of opportunity. And God can open a door for us to proclaim the gospel to good and honest hearts. He can even open that door widely because He knows and He sees all hearts. God knows those who are truly searching, who who desire to know Him as He is. And I believe that God can work providentially to open those doors of opportunity. So if God's the one doing the opening, and I believe that He is, and I believe the Scriptures bear that out, if God opens the door, then what do we do? Um, Are we just sitting there waiting for the door to open, you know, with our hands in our pockets? Uh, I was staying at a hotel not too long ago, and they had, you know, those sliding doors to get in and out, uh, and I just checked out, and so I was walking toward the door, and I walk up there, and I almost hit my face on the door. It didn't open, you know, and so I did the, the shuffle back, and then I did the wave, and all these sorts of things, and finally I just kind of stood there. I felt like, you know, George W. Bush, like there's a door in front of me, I'm unable to open it, right? And finally the door magically opened in front of me, and I looked back at the desk, and the two ladies who were there just waving real big at me. I think maybe they had it closed or something, and then they pushed some button. I felt like an idiot, right? But I think sometimes that's almost the way we are with, with these open doors of opportunity. We say, well, I'm just going to stand around, and eventually, eventually God's going to open a door for me. Sometimes that's the way it is. I, I don't deny that. Things just fall into our lap. We weren't expecting it. We weren't looking for it. But I do think that there are some things that God expects us to be doing in regard to looking for and taking advantage of and asking for these open doors of opportunity. So what I'd like you to do now is turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 2 through 5 together. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. I actually thought about not even having a PowerPoint tonight because the outline is right here in the text. If we look in verses 2 through 5, we see what it is that we should be doing. And I'll call it seven steps, practical steps from this passage that any Christian can do. Anybody who has put on Christ, you can do this for us to step toward these open doors. So let's, um, let's read this together. Uh, and we'll stop along the way and make some comments. So Paul says to these brethren in Colossae, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door. There's our title for our lesson. Uh, I like uh, 
uh, Peyton actually read from the English Standard Version, I believe you're reading from, and I, I kind of like what it says there in verse 2, being watchful in it, being watchful in this prayer. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do in regard to these open doors, right? We are supposed to be praying fervently in faith for open doors while being watchful to see those doors. Pray and watch, pray and watch, pray and watch. God expects us to, using a different metaphor, He expects us to knock on these doors. Uh, Marking your spot there in Colossians 4, go back to Matthew chapter 7. There are some assurances in regard to this. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, not just speaking of these kinds of open doors, but, but it would certainly include the doors of opportunity for uh, preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And then notice the next phrase, Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, I think there's obviously some, some context to those phrases. But when it comes to opportunities to proclaim the gospel, I think... I think that's pretty much it. I think that's the way it is. If we are praying for these opportunities and if we're watching for these opportunities, if we are knocking on these doors, God will give us these opportunities. It begins with this desire on our part, a desire to knock, a desire for the door to be open. And often we have to knock with full realization that we don't open the door, but that it's open to us. God does the opening, but if we knock, He will open. That knocking is often by our prayers. Uh, Ty Thornton is really good about this, praying for these opportunities. I've preached on this need several times to pray fervently in faith for open doors of opportunities, but I'll admit, sometimes I get distracted and I go for long periods without doing it, Uh, And then like a dummy, sometimes I'm like, I I wonder why I haven't had as many opportunities. Well, maybe because I'm not praying for those opportunities. And this isn't some magic formula. Don't think about it in those terms. But this is where the process needs to start in regard to these open doors. Praying for open doors does two things for us. Number one, most importantly, we know God answers faithful, persistent prayer according to His will. He will open these doors. But number two, it keeps the need for these doors and their opening at the forefront of our, to- of our minds on a daily basis, that we are watchful for it, watchful in these prayers so that this door might be open to us. A door for what? A door for us to walk through? Well, not exactly. That's not really what he says in this passage. Go back there to Colossians chapter 4. Read again with me beginning at the start of verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word. The second practical step is that we need to be ready to use the Word of God. Um, if you'd like to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at a couple of verses over there in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Many of you probably know this one. But sanctify, set apart as holy, the Lord God in your hearts, 
And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to be ready. But it's not really being ready with our own words. It's being ready with God's Word. Because that's what saves people. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 makes that clear, right? That the, what is sown is the Word of God. And when the Word of God is sown in people's hearts, that's when we have uh, something producing. But it's also right here in 1 Peter, if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. How? Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Incorruptible seed through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Um, let me say this. I, I think it's at this point that we get a little trepidation sometimes. Um, we, we, we get, number one, pray fervently in faith for open doors and we're watchful for them. But I think sometimes we're almost afraid to knock because the door might be opened. Uh, and then we'll have this responsibility to step through it. And maybe sometimes, you know, you've heard and you've read First Peter 3 and verse 15, always be ready and you think, but I'm not. I'm not ready. May I just suggest that you're probably a lot more ready than you think you are? I think the devil wants to convince us that we don't know enough to talk to others. And yet when you think about, as you go through the book of Acts and other places, when you think about how little people needed to know in order to become a Christian. Now, in order to continue living as a Christian and growing as a Christian, they need to know a lot more. But how little they need to know in order to become a Christian. Every single one of us who are Christians can share the Word of God that much. Why? Because you had to know that in order to become a Christian yourself. All you have to share is what you knew, what was proclaimed to you, what you understand from the Word of God that convinced you in order to become a Christian. Now continue to grow, continue to be ready to answer other things, and you know there's all these other doctrinal things that, yeah, those might provide some really good opportunities for us, and there's back and forth with friends and neighbors and all those sorts of things. But you know enough. You know enough of God's Word to share with someone else what they need to do in order to become a Christian, if you've become a Christian yourself. And even if you don't know the answer to somebody's question, may I suggest you know where the answers are? You know that they're found here in this book. So resolve to speak up. Even if you don't have all of the answers, you know where they are found. And so when that opportunity arises, don't be afraid. Instead, be ready to use the Word of God. Now, what does an open door look like? Well, it takes many forms. Maybe it's something that somebody says at work or in your family or among your friends or at school. So
So often when we think about an open door, it's not that we've kicked in the door by telling everybody, you know, hey, this is what you need to do to be saved. And they say, well, I didn't ask anything about that. So often people, and I think it's God working, open those doors for us if we're watchful for them. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I personally believe, you know what that is? That's an open door. They have expressed to you 99% of the time without you asking, they have expressed to you their personal beliefs about something in religion. You know what is absolutely fair? You know what is in no ways threatening? For you to then share and return, well, this is what I think God's Word says about that. I personally believe such and such. Well, don't you have every right to return your own comment to that? What about, I feel in my heart, or my pastor says, or, you know, I have my own relationship with the man upstairs. How about this one? I can't believe what that ungodly government did. Well, I'm not here to talk about politics, but as soon as they say ungodly, they have introduced religion into the conversation. You know, that's just a sign of the end times. It was a miracle. So-and-so was saved. I'm a Christian, but I don't look down on anybody else's religion. At my church, we do this. I knew God just sent me a sign. That was a God thing. God just spoke to me. I feel that God is working here. Raise your hand if you've heard any of those phrases at some point. All of us have. And there are dozens and dozens more that we could list. In fact, something I want you to think about doing... Um, I made some of these, and I've got a few more uh, that we could read, but I want you to give this some thought. What do people say around you that might give you an opportunity? Uh, You raised your hand and said, yeah, I've heard some of those things. So if these are the kinds of things that people say, and we're supposed to be ready to give an answer, maybe it would be a helpful exercise for us to sit down and say, well, these are the phrases that I have heard with my friends, with my family, with my coworkers. How would I go about answering or commenting on those things from the Word of God? And maybe it's uh, just asking a question that leads them back toward what the Bible says. Wow, how do you know that? What makes you think that? What scripture is that? Have you thought about this verse that speaks to that? That reminds me of this verse over here. And, and maybe you can be a little bit more aggressive. Well, I hear you, but, but I also know that the Bible says this. How does that go with what you're saying? Um, I think sometimes, and we're going to talk about more here in just a moment as we read through this idea of our, our, our speech being with grace and seasoned with salt. I think sometimes people are really aggressive with us and we just kind of sit back and take it. But what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If people bring these things up, that's an opportunity for us to speak to them uh, kindly and pull out the Word of God to speak toward whatever it is. Um, Even things that aren't explicitly religious. Um, Maybe that's not the right word, but... What are you doing this weekend? That's an opportunity. Why don't you drink? Why don't you, you know, work on Sundays? Why don't you show off your body before you lose it? Um, What do you believe about this? Those questions are all opportunities for us. And when we see those around us who are in pain, 
who have lost someone, who are searching, who, who are going through a hard time in their lives, say a prayer, send a verse, and knock on the door in front of you. So be ready, but know that it's not you. Ultimately, it's the Word of God that's going to do anything with these people. All right, go back to Colossians. Let's keep reading. Verse 3, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Um, That idea of manifest is just that it's clear, that it's easy to see. It's manifest. And so what what should we be doing? Well, we should be praying again for boldness of speech, clarity of communication, and wisdom of words. Paul didn't just ask them to pray for the open door. He asked them to pray that he would speak up when the opportunity presented itself, that he would make the word manifest and clear, and that he would speak as he ought to speak. Uh, I want to I challenge you as an individual, challenge us as a congregation. I've laid down this challenge before to pray for these things. Can you pray for these things every day? Make them a part of your daily prayers. There are people out there who need the gospel. We we live in a crazy world, don't we? Um, And I'm trying to be very careful about this because, again, I'm not, I could care less about the politics of our world. But we live in a crazy world where there are agendas being pushed all around us. And I think sometimes our response to that is not the godly one. We should have some righteous indignation. Yeah, this is wrong. It shouldn't be this way. And, and why are these things being pushed? You know, why, why do I have to go online and spend 15 minutes looking up a, an animated movie to just make sure there's nothing that's going to be pushed on my kids before I allow their grandparents to take them to the theater? That's ridiculous, right? Why is it when I go into a store, there are all sorts of displays and people around those displays that are pushing a very clear agenda? Something that I've started trying to do, and and it's been very helpful to me, uh, and Stephanie knows this because I say it to her all the time, what I've started doing is just saying, man, they need the gospel. Amen? This world needs the gospel. And all of those people that we tend to get so upset about and angry about, you know what they need? They need the gospel. Now that puts me in a much more godly state of mind in regard to their foolishness or even in regard to their evil. But I think I'm resolved to add something to that. I already do a pretty good job of saying, man, they need the gospel. I think what I want to add to that, and let me, uh, let me again challenge you to maybe do this same thing. They need the gospel. And so may I say a prayer every time I think that. God, give me an open door with them. Give me an open door for the Word. Give me boldness of speech, clarity of communication, and wisdom of words. And whether or not they respond to the gospel, whether or not they know that's what they need and come to find it, that's between them and God but I need to make the most of the door that might be in front of me. We need opportunities to preach and teach 
And we should want to share with others the joy of salvation and the reality of judgment because we care and because we love. Okay, go back again to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verse 4, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Then in verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Now, this is a little different thought, but I think it's still connected to what he's asking for with the brethren here, that that our step toward these open doors includes walking in wisdom toward those who are outside. Now, this includes both walking in such a way that they are influenced by the way that we live our lives. That means shining our light, the light of Christ, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. But I think it also applies to the way we handle open doors, that we walk in wisdom in regard to those opportunities. Some doors will be open because of the way we live our lives. If we're walking in wisdom, that's going to make an impression on other people. You remember what we read back there in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15? Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. If we are walking in wisdom and walking in hope, It's not that we're going up to other people. It's that they're coming and asking us a reason for the hope that is in us. And that begins with that walking in wisdom and walking in hope in our lives that they see hope in us. That they see that the way we live our lives is different than most of the rest of the world. That they see as Paul implies in Romans chapter 12 in the first three verses right there This idea that we are proving the the good and acceptable way of God. We're proving that God's way works. That this is the best way to live your life. That this is what real wisdom is. And God can use that. God can use that to open a door of opportunity for us. At the same time, open doors can also be closed again if our actions are not right, if our actions are not in wisdom. If we're living in hypocrisy, or if, as we're going to talk about in a second, our words are not seasoned with salt. And so we need to remember that the world is always watching and listening with interest, whether it's our kids watching us, or our co-workers, or our friends, or even our enemies. So we need to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Uh, What's the next thing that he says there in verse 5? Redeeming the time. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to redeem the time. We need to pray not just for the door, but not to miss the door. Because those doors will not be open forever. We need to knock, and if the door opens just a little bit, we need to step our foot in that door and leave it there. Don't give the door the opportunity to close again. And I think sometimes that's one of the places where I've fallen short. You know, every action movie I think that's ever been made has that scene with the slow closing door that they've got to run out, you know, before the door closes. And whether it's the bomb's about to go off or the aliens are about to get here, one of the Indiana Jones movies has that. I remember because he slides under and then what does he do? He reaches back and he grabs his hat. That kind of urgency that there's a door that's closing. Well, God opens doors for us, but that doesn't mean that that door is going to be open forever. And so we need to have a certain sense of urgency that the door is open now, 
But it doesn't mean that it's always going to be open. And that means that we need to follow up. That might mean that we need to schedule in regard to the open door. Not just in that first interaction, but where is it going to go from, for, um, from here? Well, you know what? Let's just, let's just have lunch uh, once a week or so and just talk about these things until we kind of figure it out. Or, or when can we talk about this more? Let's put it on our calendars when we're going to meet to talk about it more. Or maybe... Maybe it's not something that they're willing to commit to at that time. And, and, and sometimes this is where we drop the ball, I think. It's, okay, we've talked about this. And, and maybe we've even asked, hey, when, when can we talk more? And they say, well, I'm just, I'm not sure right now. Maybe it's a, when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you sort of situation. But maybe we need to set a reminder for ourselves to say, hey, go back and knock on that door again a few days or a few weeks later. So redeem the time. And then as he says in verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you might know how you ought to answer each one. We should speak with grace and seasoning. Let's not be the ones. I mean, I think there are a, there are a handful of people who call themselves Christians who ruin the reputation of everybody else sometimes when it comes to this. You know, my experience has been that Christians are some of the most kind and compassionate and gentle people in the world. But we can all think of instances, maybe in our own lives, I know I can, where the harshness of somebody's words, instead of sticking the foot in the door, it slammed the door shut. And so I need to make sure that that I am keeping that door open by the graciousness of my words. The boldness is in what we are saying, right? Number three, pray for boldness of speech in regard to the Word of God, but we need to be oh so careful in the way we say it and how we say it, making sure that it's, it's always with grace. Not some of the times, it's always with grace, that it's seasoned with salt, and that we know how we ought to answer each one. That we understand with some people we can be a little more direct. With other people we have to be um, a little more cautious in regard to them. Now, in my notes in preparing for this lesson, I had two very negative examples of this written down where people I know uh, didn't speak with grace or it wasn't seasoned with salt. Uh, and I don't know if this is providential or not, but Stephanie told me a story this afternoon on the way to work uh, that I'd never heard before, and I want to give you a positive example instead. How about that? Stephanie told me about a time with uh, her sister and her husband, so that's my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Uh, they were studying an issue, a, a doctrinal issue, and there was a preacher across town that they knew had done a lot of study on this issue, but they were really hesitant to call him. Because he had a reputation of being harsh. He had a reputation of being very direct. He had a reputation maybe even of being a little bit mean. But, but they really wanted to know the answer to this. They'd talked with some people and they'd not gotten any satisfaction. Uh, and so finally they give this guy a call kind of with trepidation. And they say, hey, um, I'm so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. You know, can you tell me what you believe about this? And very kindly he said, I tell you what, why don't you just come by the house 
just, just come by the house. When can, when can we meet? Come by the house and we'll talk about it. And so they came by the house and his wife had fixed a cake and they sat around the table and ate cake and drank coffee and they said it was just the most pleasant and kindest conversation they'd had. Now, I don't know why he had a reputation like that. Maybe it was deserved, maybe it wasn't. But the way with which he handled them was speaking with grace and his words seasoned with salt. Now, he was direct, and they, they appreciated that directness. That's what they wanted. But there was a kindness to it. And for us, especially when so many are looking for an excuse looking for an excuse to say, well, Christians are hypocrites and Christians are judgmental and all these sorts of things, we need to be very careful that we are direct with what we say. It's the truth. We can't sugarcoat that. But that we are kind in the way with which we say it. That it is always with love and with grace and with seasoning where it goes down just a little bit easier. And then finally, I think the last thing that we see here, you say, well, Reagan, you're out of verses. Uh, in fact, I've gone an extra than what I put on the PowerPoint. But go back to verse 2, and let's read verse 2 one more time. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. I think that's the last thing in regard to this. Thank God when a door is opened and walked through. Verse 2 is a really general admonition about prayer, but it's certainly applicable to what we're talking about tonight. We should thank God, because God is the one who opened the door, and God, through His Word, is what made that opportunity profitable to us and to them. We are blessed by those who come to Christ, and we should be thankful for that blessing, shouldn't we? Think about how enriched your life has been by Christians who came to Christ because somebody walked through an open door to proclaim the gospel to them. And maybe, well, not maybe, for all of us, somebody, somebody walked through a door to proclaim Christ to us. And if there is rejoicing in heaven over every single sinner who repents, then we should rejoice right along with the angels and our Father. And even if the response is not what we wanted not what we hoped for and prayed for. We should thank God that He has answered our prayer and the expectation that He will open another door soon. Seven steps toward open doors. And I pray that we will pray for these kinds of opportunities and that we'll approach them in the way that Christians should. But to end the lesson tonight, I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 3. Not to the church in Philadelphia this time, but a few verses down in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Because though we see throughout the New Testament that the rule is God is the one who opens doors, there is an exception to that idea. There is a sense in which you have to open a door to God to let Him into your heart. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Behold, Jesus says, in finishing these letters to these churches, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne 
as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is knocking. And uh, we don't always know, you know, what we're going to find when somebody knocks at the door. It could be all sorts of things. There's a lot of ding-dong ditching going on in my neighborhood right now. Uh, the other day, I almost caught some of those kids. I had running shoes on, and I hit that door running, and they got, got on a four-wheeler and got away. I was close. They didn't have the four-wheeler. I would have caught them. We don't always know who's going to be there when the door is knocked upon, but how wonderful is it when the door opens and it's somebody that we love, somebody that loves us. The one who loves you the most, the one who gave his life for you, is knocking at the door and he's asking, please let me come in. Will you answer that call? Will you open the door of your heart, even this evening, to Jesus and come in humble submission, putting him on in baptism to rise to walk in newness of life? And maybe you're already a Christian, and yet your heart, your heart is closed to Christ. Maybe you're going through the motions. He's knocking on your door also. Open to him. And you can receive all of the blessings that come from that relationship. If you need to do that even this evening, and we can help you in some way, come now, while together we stand and while we sing.